Welcome to the Knock Knock Who's There podcast, the official voice of the Knock Academy. At the Knock Academy, we help busy parents and professionals like you move more and feel great via online group and one-on-one coaching. And this podcast will do the same. Each week on the show, your hosts, Gareth and Nikki Knock, will be talking to Knock Academy members about their fitness successes and struggles. We will also feature health and fitness experts sharing useful information and tips to help you achieve your goals. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Knock, knock. Who's there? It's Gareth. Hey, how you doing, Gareth? How you doing, everybody? Thanks for tuning in today. So, Gareth, what have you got for us? So, I want to talk a little bit today about a study I read. Oh, it makes you sound really intelligent. I know, so intellectual. Did you actually read it or was it an audio book, knowing that you prefer to listen? It, well, actually, I read it. Okay. Um, it's not a very big study, but I will read it now because we're going to dig in and talk to it. So this is a study about the comfort level with group fitness when COVID-19 improves. And it was in the US, although we're based in Canada, in 2020. So it was actually reported back in January. And as a result of COVID-19 pandemic, the comfort level of consumers going into public spaces changed, especially in areas where social distancing was a challenge. According to the source, 44% of respondents in the United States expressed that we, they were a little nervous about participating in a group fitness class or activity when the coronavirus pandemic improves and businesses reopen. Obviously, as I said, this was written back in January, so most things are now reopened. Mm-hmm. Uh, in contrast, 28% expressed that they were very nervous to join such a group activity. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. So thoughts, first of all. Well, I guess I guess my first question, I don't know if it actually says, is how many people were actually polled? It doesn't say how many people okay. were polled. Because okay. I know that that's, you know, that kind of gives you a bit of a, a different perspective, mm. right? Yep. Do you know what? I think, I think it's a valid point. And I think, I think people have concerns because it's, it's still an area of unknown whether you're going to a group fitness class or you're going to buy bacon in the store like there's still I think for everyone an element of risk and everybody's risk level or perception of risk level is slightly different and I think since that was written or published we now are a lot more advanced with the vaccines um I'm not going to go into the whole vaccine debate, but, you know, we are, let's just say, a little bit more ahead of the curve in regards to uh, education, vaccination, data, science and everything else. So I'd be curious if they if they um, polled the same people now, if the outcome would be the same. That's what I'm kind of saying. Right. I think we have our own individual interpretations of risk and our comfort level around those but I also think it's to do with the time like where we were in that time frame so if the result so it was published in January so I'm thinking they polled it probably before the end of the year so that was a completely different time for us we're talking almost a year ago now so I guess that's my immediate feedback yeah for sure and the it'll definitely be a change in the comfort level you know based on those things right like things are reopening i guess you see other things reopening and people feel more comfortable however if you actually look at the science of it and this is my brief understanding i'm no virologist or scientist for that matter but the 
the science suggests that it's not really changing transmission a huge amount and i'm talking about vaccines sorry okay so So vaccines aren't really changing transmission so it's keeping you safe however if somebody in that group fitness class had covid you could still very easily catch it however you may never know and obviously you wouldn't end up in hospital but i guess the answer is if people are scared of ending up in hospital are they scared of getting the virus because that would be two different things correct that's what i was saying like what what is their interpretation and i think that's where i mean by everyone's risk level is different and i think a lot of people you know just talking amongst my own social circle a lot of people have kind of made peace with getting the virus because of their own calculated risk because of you know their own fitness level whether they are vaccinated or not and then a lot of people are just very scared of the potential of getting getting it irrespective of vaccination or not um so it's kind of it's kind of tricky right like it's what are you what are you scared of is it getting the virus is it going into hospital is it giving it to somebody else like i think i think there's so much unknown like the backstory behind mm. everybody's vote isn't there somebody might say they're nervous to go to group fitness because their mum lives with them, their elderly mum. It might be nothing to do with their own personal well-being. Yep. It's actually the circumstance that they live in. Yeah, I didn't even think about it like that. And actually, you said something that's really interesting there is, are they worried about giving it to someone else, which would be a completely different completely different ball game? would probably have a fair bit to do with the um, the whether they'd go back or not right like if they thought i could give it to someone else and that's what they were scared of doing which is a very noble thing to be concerned about that that person might just avoid that so when they say they don't feel safe maybe it's that side of it they don't feel safe for everybody else as well so that's an interesting uh, interesting point that i hadn't thought about so so we, we, we've got a few other things we're going to talk about but i just thought that was interesting to share that that's a really big percentage of people so we're going to see what and the point of bringing it up was we're going to see very quiet group fitness classes when they do come back if they've come back and we're seeing that reduced capacities and lots of kind of open gym space but not so many of the the group fitness environments so i guess uh, i guess maybe nikki tell us what uh what's out there for those people that want to do group activity maybe we've got a solution <laughs> hey look do you know what our industry the fitness industry has changed so much it will never be the same again and selfishly because i have an online business i'm kind of okay with that but but on a huge macro level i actually think this is a good thing i i believe giving people more options more accessibility to meet them meet people where they are at is a great thing some people didn't want to go to a gym before covid right they either didn't have the access they didn't have the funds uh they just didn't want to go for whatever reason so i think this has actually brought around an element of choice which is fantastic and yes you are correct we have our (laughs) we have our own online um fitness community you know and yes we did you know i guess bring this whole idea up because of where we were with covid and because of covid people couldn't have come to the gym but you know, you know, as much as I, once we started unpacking this idea and talking with friends and people in the community, it became so much more than that. The reasons that I, that I just gave, right? So it became apparent that this was a great move. And I think what's really key here is 
taking COVID off the table is finding an exercise, well-being, activity, routine that's accessible for you because that's what builds consistency. So if you are comfortable going to the gym, go to the gym. If you're comfortable going online, go online. If you want to do a hybrid of both things, that's absolutely fine. But I think what's important is finding what works with you and your lifestyle. Exercise, working out, whatever you want to call it, should never be a punishment. It should always be something you enjoy. Yeah, whatever that looks like, right? Yeah, so whatever that looks like. So I think if there is, I don't want to say if there's a good to come out of all of this chaos, I think for our industry, it's now people have... I guess, thought outside the box, created new ways that fitness, well-being um, and mindfulness can now be accessible. Yeah, and I think the final kind of point on that I'll add is that it also made the what people thought was maybe the impossible possible. And there were probably lots of people out there that were, and it's evident now if you look across the industry, there's lots of people that are excelling with online in a group capacity and I think there are so many more people that could be excelling at that. And now they're seeing it's actually possible because online fitness coaching is not a new thing. Like in one-to-one coaching is a huge industry. People making, you know, lots of money and helping lots of people in the process. But I don't think group was expanding and excelling that way. And I think this whole pandemic has taught us that it is possible. And there's people like us running these businesses and other people coming through doing it too. So I think it shows that possibility and that possibility is opening the door for many other people, which is massively important. Yeah. And I think also, and this is, could be a, cop- a topic of conversation for another day. I think the advancement in technology to be able to make that happen. hundred percent. Has span around really, really quickly, right? Like maybe pre-pandemic yes online existed but it was a bit clunky it was a little bit awkward but all of a sudden it's like oh no boom we got to get our ass in gear and a lot of businesses were like how can we get what we do online like yesterday and because of that you know the big tech giants had to kind of jump on board um and don't get me wrong i'm sure they did it to you know put some money in their own pockets as well but you know i think the advancement in technology platforms streaming what that looks like for us as an industry has advanced probably in two years what it would have usually have been in 10 yeah yeah absolutely and and it's made forced people like us right it it we had to jump on that, learning how to how to get that rolling and utilize it. So that's another part that's, you know, had to come on pretty quickly. So that kind of wraps that up. In other news, I feel like I need one of those like news bullets. Like that? You're welcome. In other fitness news, so I've been doing some scrolling and just reading the fitness articles um as I as I like to do. And I like to nerd out a little bit. So here's an interesting study that will be uh that you'll be interested to hear about, I'm sure. And that's kind of everyone listening and you. A new study offers insight on how resistance training or strength training burns fat. Shocker. Um, I can't believe this has only come out in August 2021. Uh, Findings from a new study add to growing evidence that resistance exercise has unique benefits for fat loss. Research has found that resistance-like exercises regulate fat cell metabolism at a molecular level way above my pay grade to even start to 
comprehend that. However, mm. this was some research done at the University of Kentucky in the College of Medicine and the College of Health Sciences. So some pretty smart people working on this. And it it's not a real shocker. Uh, and it goes into the deep science of it. But what I think it leads to say is that we only have to look around at the people that are doing good quality resistance and strength training in conjunction with other things, but sometimes not in conjunction with other things and realizing that they are holding a lower percentage body fat. I'm talking at the extremes right now, but it shows you that we're getting so many benefits from that, not to mention all the other millions of benefits of doing strength and resistance training. So uh, yeah, just thought I'd uh, thought I'd bring that one up as it was kind of one of those ones. I was like, Oh really? Yeah. You know, it's 2021. We're just writing articles about it. Thoughts. Well, I think thoughts, I feel like I kind of <laughs> learned this shit when I started 20 years ago. No? Yep, yep. Um, and shocker, bodybuilding isn't a new thing. And I know, I know a lot of that is nutrition as well. Don't get me wrong. I'm not naive enough to know that. And yes, there is probably an element of cardio in a routine. I've clearly not been, ever been a bodybuilder. Um, so I wasn't really taken back by this one. I was like... Yeah, I know um, that it burns fat, quotation marks. I mean, I just hate the whole kind of wording of that to some degree as well. Um, So not shocked. Surprised that it's worded the way it's worded. I think it could be worded a heck of a lot better. That's kind of why I read it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, look, let's just keep this simple. At the end of the day, resistance training is going to enable you to build strength. Why? Because you build more muscle fiber. Right? More muscle fiber, more increase in metabolic uh, rate. What's the word I'm looking for here? Activity. Activity, rate. Um, You're going to burn more calories, right? Your body's going to need more energy, glycogen, everything in the energy systems to guess what? eventually you'll burn fat, right? Like, I think we have to remember that... You perform better. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's it's, it's an energy source, right? So the body's got to burn something. So that's where it's going to pull from. So resistance training, cardio training, like it's all going to essentially burn fat. It's it's part of the... And, you know, burning fat is to do with the, the oxidization process and, and, you know, and it gets quite deep into that. But, yes, anything you're doing in regards to training is benefiting that. I think it, that to say it is about a balanced workout regime. So, yes, all those things are correct. Yes, it's not really shocker. It's just have it as part of your training. It's so, so important. And I'll just read one other bit that's really interesting because I think some people want it simplified and some people listening will not want it simplified. So for those people listening... It's really interesting because in not only humans, but they did it in in mice first and then also in humans. It showed that in response to mechanical loading, so that is resistance training, whether that's body weight, added weight, whatever, sure. it's loading the body, you know, the mechanical movement of the body with weight. The muscle cells release particles called extracellular particles that give fat cells instructions to enter fat burning mode. Right. So just to, to give it in a little bit more detail, and apparently this is the uh, first demonstration to the to the knowledge of the people doing the study. This is the first demonstration of how weight training initiates metabolic adaptation in fat tissue. So showing that it actually kind of signals the brain, or signals the body to metabolize fat, which is interesting because my understanding is that that 
isn't what it's doing. It's contributing for many other factors. Mm-hmm. Like we build more muscle. It's more metabolically active, as you yes, mentioned. Yes. So it's actually to do, you know, a cellular so level. It's more, yeah. So, see that that I find kind of interesting, and yeah. you know, and and the brain stimulation response to that. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from new research, right? Like I'm I'm in my journey now of learning a little bit more about the mind body connection and and fascia and all of that stuff. And I think there's just a lot more research into it's 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 more than just movement is what I'm trying to say, right? No system works alone. You know, everything has a cause and effect. Everything is a bit of a ripple effect, right? Everything works together. So it's kind of that kind of stuff excites me. I think they should just shouldn't have opened the statement with that statement. <laughs> I probably would have gone with the whole cellular response. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It maybe doesn't capture the attention X, as a news article. Y, Z. <laughs> I guess general population want fat burning, right? Yeah. So yeah. So okay, kind of cool. Maybe I should read it in a more, in more detail and give you my review. But um, yeah, Nikki, Nikki's definitely going to read a scientific article in more detail. That's definitely I, on your I, agenda. I might scan it and pull out <laughs> words that I like. Um, so but yes, on 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 first hearing it right here right yeah. now, that's my response. Super interesting. So I got one other that I want to that I want to get into, and you know, uh, on a on a fairly brief episode with some some science fact. This one was was really interesting to me. So. People with a stroke, people with stroke, have had a stroke, who walk 30 minutes per day may have a 54% lower risk of early death. So, American Academy of Neurology, there's a study published on uh, in August this year. The new study shows that people who walk or garden at least three to four hours per week or bike at least two to three hours per week or equivalent mm-hmm. after having a stroke may have a 54% lower risk of early death from any cause. Now, what's interesting to me is is that's interesting in itself. And I love this, you know, because a stroke is kind of like a, a lot of the time can be labeled as like a death sentence, right? Mm-hmm. That it's, you know, you kind of have a stroke and then it's kind of downhill from there. So I thought that was really interesting um, and especially important for, I guess, younger stroke survivors as well that might almost take that and kind of have it as like a write-off not to say that we're writing off old people, but you know what I'm trying to say. What was interesting to me is it it makes sense, but it's also that's important for everybody that that doing that you know three to what was it three three to four hours per week of walking meant you had a fifty four percent lower risk of early death. Good news, you don't have to have a stroke <laughs> for that to be it's true. So funny, it's so funny because it like took you forever to get to the bit after having a stroke and i was like so is this like to stop you having a stroke because i feel like this is preventative stuff so so yeah so i'm not surprised again right having a fit healthy body that performs and moves and does everything it's supposed to not just sit in bed and eat cookies right like shocker you're actually gonna be fitter and healthier and i'm guessing just to be serious and and coming back to the article here for a second so i'm guessing post stroke is it something to do with continuing great blood flow is that the why behind this saying this i I don't actually or is it just lifestyle factors i think it just looks like it's lifestyle factors basically saying that you know they did a pretty pretty big study here like 900 odd people with an average age of 72 um 
who had a prior stroke, and then it was also studied against 97,000 people with an average age of 63 who had never had a stroke. So I'd say it's fairly um, a fairly accurate study. It's a big group, right? Mm-hmm. Big test market. It, it doesn't really um, state exactly why within the study, other than general health, um, but it showed that a percentage, 4% of people who weren't exercising um, did die as a result of you know, I guess the the stroke and everything else. And research has found that the largest reduction in death rate among people who had previous stroke but were under 75 years of age. In that group, 11% of those who exercised a minimum amount um, died compared to 29 who didn't. So there's some good stats as to, you know, the survival rates and their death. It doesn't really say other than its general activity and movement and it Mm. says that the amount of physical activity may reduce long-term mortality and any causes of any causes in stroke survivors is the general summary that's what i was looking for of any causes so i was curious that if those people you know did did they die because of symptoms related to a stroke or did they die of something nothing to do with a stroke right Mm. like it's just circumstance any course yeah 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 so that that was the other bit that i was looking for so i think i think the takeaway here is look shit happens right yeah and we get setbacks whether it's a stroke a heart attack uh, a serious injury um mental health i think what's important is just having that resilience to say this doesn't define me and I'm still going to be the best version of myself, take care of myself and be the best person I can be, whatever that looks like, right? So a healthy lifestyle, great nutrition and doing what makes me feel happy because that's going to have huge ramifications in my life, my lifestyle, the people I surround myself with, right? I think it's... It's easy to get into a victim mentality um, yep. and, and go the opposite direction than to be like, yes, this is bad. I understand. However, I'm going to flip this around. Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm going to do. So I think a lot of it for these coming back to the stroke people um, might be that. It's just a mindset. 100%, right? 100% because things like you said shit happens and that's that's the way it goes and uh, like I said the reason why I picked it out when I was reading through them was just because of the the irony of how you know do all this exercise and you won't die after a stroke when do all like, this you gotta have a you gotta have a flicking a freaking stroke first yeah oh, go exercise some now. people but isn't that isn't that the reality of life though right you gotta hear from your you know you gotta hear that you're on your your, your pre-diabetic or your you know, you're going to need a knee replacement or whatever before somebody actually starts doing something. And and uh, I think the best way to um, the best way to wrap this up is by stating a few things at the end of the uh, the the summary of the study, which says that. Um, and I'll read the whole thing, but you'll see the context of it. We should partic- particularly emphasise this to stroke survivors who are younger in age, as the important point. They may gain the greatest health benefits from walking just 30 minutes each day. Again, remove stroke survivor, insert 
anybody, right? Walking for 30 minutes a day is going to improve your health. And then I like this bit. This is the best bit to finish on. And I'm sure we can have a laugh about it before we wrap up the show. A limitation of the study is that people may not have accurately reported the amount of exercise. Again, shocker. (laughs) (laughs) OMG. Just like we have, just like we didn't report the, uh, the extra 800 calories of uh, a food we ate or the, or the exercise we didn't do. So be, I think be accurate with, with what you're doing, be realistic. Cause I think that's um, really important. But anyway, I thought there was some, some cool studies of what's, uh, what's going on in the world of, I say fitness, fitness, health, whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah, that was our, uh, in, in the, uh, in the news, fitness news for the week. Well, thank you for sharing. I know I I think the takeaways I got from this is don't wait for a stroke to work out. Like just take good care of yourself. Period. Um and the other thing, what was the other thing? The second thing we spoke about again? What was the second thing I we don't spoke about? Know. <laughs> We spoke about the we spoke about the forty four percent of people. Oh, that, the resistance um, training. Yeah, yeah, shocker. Lift up stuff. Move your body weight around because hey, guess what? It's important to be able to get yourself up and off, up and down off the floor, right? Let's just think basic, like life survival skills. Yeah, strength training is important so you can move, sit down, stand up, fall on the floor, get up. So that- please, resistance train. That was actually the second thing we spoke about. But There was a second thing. Oh, yeah. I said, what was the second yeah. thing? And then the first thing was about returning back to group fitness, right? Yes. Um, yes. That was the 44% of people and, that yeah, and didn't I think want to. They didn't want to. And do you know what? Each to their own. But again, staying fit and healthy reduces the risk of you contracting a negative response to the COVID virus if you are unfortunate enough to receive it right like being a fit healthy individual does help i know that there are extreme circumstances so i think the message throughout all three things is move be active push some heavy shit around have a great mindset take care of yourself and pass on good karma juju absolutely and i will my summary, which I think is also really, really important. If you don't feel safe going back to in person, you know, you're one of those 44% of people. We have group training <laughs> virtually at the Knock Academy. If you want to do some strength training, we oh, have we strength have training at the Knock Academy. And if you need to move more and be active, whether you've had a stroke or not, we have many ways to do that at the Knock Academy. Awesome. So come check us out at thenockacademy.com. Um, plug show brought to you by our own business the knock academy <laughs> maybe we should do our own <laughs> the study voice, the voice of this is the voice of the knock academy uh, that's it for this week we just thought we had some fun while we were drinking wine and sharing some of the nerdy science stuff i read this week uh, so we appreciate you tuning in as always if you got anything from the episode even if it was just a laugh share it with someone that you love and care about and also if you're looking for some guest episodes go back in the catalog we've got some of our amazing member stories in the back catalog you'll be able to hear all about their amazing journeys through health and fitness and growing up and you know adulthood and what they're doing now and how they ended up with us at the knock academy and also some fitness experts and we've got some amazing stuff lined up sure to tune in for those that's it for now we'll catch you on the next episode thank you so much for tuning in and remember to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode If you enjoyed the show, share it with at least one person and please consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple. It really helps us reach more people. 
come join our community by heading over to our website or finding us on social media. All links are in the show notes. And remember, the world of fitness is 10% facts and 90% opinion.